Divisive issues dominate the headlines, but we should all be worried about the bigger picture. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And if you've heard my show before, you know I try to pick the most important, biggest issues of the week to use our little time together wisely. And lately I have noticed a pattern in these stories that the stories that call out for my attention, the stories that people are talking about, the stories that are top of mind for people all seem to be, have a few things in common lately. And one of them, one big thing is it seems more and more that big events that splash across the headlines happen to dovetail with the theme or the meme, if you're, uh, depending on which generation you're from, whatever the this uh, little nugget of an idea that's already on the media agenda seems to be uh, brought out to fruition, just as if on cue, story after story. I don't know where it comes from, if the media, uh, if these stories are all over the place and the media just picks the ones that work for them, or if they embellish, they don't cover it. Uh, with the total accuracy, just so it folds in. But there have been a few stories like that recently that I just couldn't help but notice played right into uh, what was already on the agenda. A big, big one was the tragedy in Charleston where a young white guy shot nine people at a Bible study in a black church, and that was just the crescendo, the peak of of all this tension, this the racial tension that had been building up from Trayvon Martin to Ferguson to Eric Garner to Freddie Gray, um, Walter Scott, like all these, this was just building up, building up. And then Charleston really brought it to a head. A couple of other issues that were on the um, in the shoot came out at that point, too. The Confederate flag issue had been ripening for a while. It was a Supreme Court issue last year. Uh, the confederate flag on a license plate in texas and of course always they're ready for the gun control meme uh for anything that will feed into that a little you know a less a less tragic story not a fatal one was that the supreme court so that was a couple of weeks ago but then also the supreme court was ready to hear the case of whether or not states could deny the right to marry to gays if any state was allowed to do that that was on the in the docket for the supreme court and as if on cue vanity fair has a cover of caitlin jenner formerly bruce jenner announcing that she is going to live a transgender lifestyle and that brought a lot of discussion brought it right to the fore so that there was a, an emotional setting surrounding the supreme court announcement that uh, no state could deny gays the right to marry. And this week, the the dovetailing was just too, uh, just uh, almost too good <laughs> that the big story this week was an illegal immigrant in San Francisco, which is a sanctuary city, which means they don't cooperate with the feds about deporting people, that he killed... Uh, he allegedly killed a woman on the pier in San Francisco. And this just amazingly dovetailed with the big news that was being made, really pumped up, uh, of Donald Trump when he announced his candidacy for president, 
said some really inflammatory things about immigrants, including that they're rapists and uh, other things like that. Really um, provocative stuff that was a highly divisive. And this this story just dovetailed right into that. And it was actually so perfect that I dug into that one a little bit because I personally I feel I see this pattern of the media telling me what to think about and the and the and an underlying factor not only do these big stories uh, feed the meme but they're always focusing us on divisive issues race sexual orientation uh, conflicts over immigration they're always focusing us on those divisive issues instead of equally if not more important issues that all of us in america have um to worry about like uh world encroaching the world encroaching on our sovereignty trade agreements um uh debt, stuff like that. So I don't like to be focused in on this stuff, be forced focused into it. But this one I did check out because the little bits of information that were trickling up to me were really weird. This story out of San Francisco is very strange. And and my guess is that you haven't actually heard the sum total of the facts in that case. And what it was was this guy, Lopez Sanchez, an illegal immigrant, uh, he, he, I was trying to figure out like where the facts of the case were coming from, and they all kind of boiled down to this interview he gave from the jailhouse, an hour-long videotaped interview, which I just posted on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com, and my Facebook page, where he talks to, he's got really broken English. He actually seems somewhat mentally impaired. It could be the English thing. I don't know. But the guy does not seem like he's uh, understands what's going on. And he's in custody for this murder. Yet he gives, without a lawyer, an hour-long interview in broken English with a TV station. And even when the translator asks him questions in Spanish, they ask him to answer in English. And he actually, like, says no and nods his head yes at the same time sometimes. Like, that is how little he seems to understand what's going on. But from what I could tell from listening and re-listening to his story in this interview, sounds to me like this is what he says happened. And and it does look like he's telling the truth. I mean, he he does not seem to be capable of deception. He's just not that convincing in that way but he so he he said he found a bottle with sleeping pills in it and he took one and while he was groggy or sleeping he doesn't really remember what was going on but he saw by his foot a fluffy package and it ended up being a gun wrapped in a t-shirt he said he heard very loud music and three booms and he thinks the gun went off by itself he thinks maybe he kicked it into the water which is weird because what they pulled out of the water was a hard plastic case, not a fluffy T-shirt package. But anyway, he said he thinks that's maybe what happened. He was not aware of shooting anyone. He was smoking a cigarette when he was arrested. And uh, and then another thing came out separately, not from that interview, but that the gun belonged to an FBI agent, that it wasn't his service weapon, but that it was a spare gun that the FBI agent had. So... Every article I've read since then about this guy, even on Fox News, said he admitted to killing uh, this woman in San Francisco. And the only source ever referred to, if any source at all, is this interview in which, as far as I can tell, he did not say that. So I feel like not only does the media just grab a story out of the air and not cover it with any kind of accuracy just to keep us focused on specific issues 
issues that are always divisive. I think they actually pick squishy issues like the Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman thing, where you could see both sides of the story that they pick those because they further they're further divisive. I mean, there are clean cut uh, cases of illegal immigrants murdering people. I think there are like a thousand outstanding warrants in L.A. for illegal immigrants accused of homicide. So you could easily find a real, you know, a story that uh, would not be divisive. So we're looking at all this divisive stuff and the immigration stuff in particular focuses us on, you know, it's a very emotional issue because people feel like this, there's an invasion from the South that's threatening our sovereignty. But what I, when I looked at the news this week, I saw the these issues in Greece, the trade uh, packs that that now we gave Obama fast track authority for not only the tr- trade partnership for the Pacific, but the one for the Atlantic. And these things are going to have legislative and and uh, judicial authority. At the same time, the Pope in his encyclical on climate change called for a true world authority. And that's no not lost in translation because the Vatican has talked called for that before a polyarchic government, another layer of government above the nation states. That's what Europe has. Europe has the EU, another layer of government above the nation states. So we just heard on the news that Greece is going to accept yet another bailout from the EU that uh, they are their their parliament agreed to it. However. What they what wasn't mentioned was that last week the people voted in a referendum. Forget it. They're done with it. They don't want it anymore. They're willing to fall on their swords. They're just not playing that game anymore. Now, that issue about Greece, to me, is a much meatier issue. There are lessons there for us, not only about uh, the impact of socialism, about financial responsibility, but about our vulnerability from bankers, technocrats, uh, government Entities, quasi-government entities above and beyond what we as citizens can control here in our sovereign country. So I'll talk about any of these issues. I would like to uh, dig in a little bit on the financial issue, on the debt issue. I also want to talk about how I have noticed that the libertarian approach to these issues has uh, a lot of the mainstream libertarians pivot to the liberal or conservative framework whereas the real libertarian uh position is is totally separate from that it's really an overarching political framework so i want to tell you a little bit about that stuff i'll take your calls on anything 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB talk this is monica perez monica perez on news 95.5 and am 750 wsb 91 degrees outside the studio today, a 7 on the Mellish meter. Stay tuned for weekend weather on WSB, brought to you by Shoemate, the official air conditioning of summer. And we're talking about kind of a uh, bigger picture issue. There's a lot of stuff that they, I think the powers that be and the media want to focus us on domestically that kind of drive us apart. But I feel like we're at the tipping point for a much uh, bigger problem that that's really a threat from above and outside, a threat to our sovereignty that uh, comes from uh, banks and um, supranational apparatuses like uh, economic 
um, frameworks in these trade partnerships and other alliances that are real imminent threat to our sovereignty, to our ability to control our own legislation, really, uh, and not theoretical, not long term, like in the here and now. And I think what's happening in Greece is an example of that. Uh, how the financial institutions, the bankers, the government authorities can kind of push down onto the people what they don't want. I mean, the people in Greece voted against continuing this cycle of bailouts and what they call austerity. I want to get into that a little bit, too. But they're getting it anyway. And uh, and I think that that's a that's a, a warning to us. I'm going to go to Rick and Alpharetta. Rick, you're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. I don't know if you might have read the Wall Street Journal article this week, but in regards to all these uh, other layers of government, like Greece is seeing now, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal that uh, President Obama is actually pushing for greater contributions to the International Monetary Fund to help bail out these countries. And, of course, we're going to have a problem with Puerto Rico, the way things are going right now. And uh, the same week I was reading an article, which was actually a 2014 article that was in one of these George Soros uh, organizations called Think Progress. And he was a big proponent of giving more authority to the International Monetary Fund. And, of course, at that time, before the uh, French lady was put in charge of, of IMF, he was proposing that Hillary Clinton be in charge of that thing. I don't know if you know anything more about that, but I just found those two things very interesting. And like you say, they kind of all synced up together. And it's, yeah. it's a little scary when you think about these overlays and, the, and these world, new world order governments that people are proposing. Yeah, see, that's the thing, is if you, you can, at face value, when they write these articles, they try to explain to you that it this stuff could all spiral out of control, and it's too big to fail, and you don't want to create, um, you got to bail them out, even though it's morally wrong. I actually read that in a, a Council of Foreign Relations article, a Foreign Affairs magazine article, that said you just have to put the right and wrong of bailing these people out aside. We've got to maintain stability. Of course, stability comes from recognizing that all debt has in it the potential for bankruptcy, which is why the interest rates that you pay for borrowing is different for different people, even over the same time frame or different entities. So these institutions aren't really there to save the world from crazy Greek socialists. It's to reinforce this uh, forever cycle of debt, in my opinion. I think there that if you read The Creature from Jekyll Island, that goes a little bit further down the rabbit hole and says it's actually intentional. They bring you to the brink of bankruptcy, never forgive the debt, never allow you to uh, declare bankruptcy, but restructure it so that you pay interest forever. And I feel like that looks like it has to be the plan even here in the United States. We have no intention of paying the debt off our debt, which is like $17 trillion, whatever, but we will always pay the interest. And if we don't, That'll get layered on top of that, too. I want to keep talking about it. Gary's next. Wants to talk a little more about Greece. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And part, a big part of libertarianism is uh, economic freedom. Basic, fundamental 
freedoms, both personal and economic. And that goes to the fact that the fruits of your labor are an extension of your very life. So you have a right to defend your property and your life as one unit. And when I hear uh, discussions of what's happening in Greece from a libertarian perspective, quite often you hear the logical thing uh, that they're socialists, they got into too much debt, they are going to have to deal with that, and they're going to have to pay their debts like any moral actor. And if not, I mean, let them suffer, let them die. And I, I, as a strictly moral argument, you should pay your debts. That is true. You can also expand that argument a little bit in the context of the financial system that we have, which one of the tenets of American, the, the founders was not to have, of America, was not to have debtor's prison, was to have an orderly law of bankruptcy. That was considered quite a political triumph that helped create a stable environment to grow wealth that it doesn't really make sense to take people out of production put them in jail for debts they can never pay back so this reality is baked into basically all debt agreements i used to be a high yield bond investment banker and what i did was write these agreements and and high yield bonds demonstrate the idea that your uh you're paying more interest because you have a greater risk of default. And the way uh, bond funds work is they they expect a percentage of default. So they'll buy 10 loans, 10 bonds, and they'll know that one of them is going to go belly up and they'll look at the returns as a result of all that. So the natural market forces, when you start getting too indebted, your interest rate will go through the roof and you will stop borrowing money. You will be forced to stop borrowing money. You might be forced into bankruptcy. Uh or have to sell off assets or give liens, things will change for you as you become dangerously indebted. And a failure of that in this country, I've noticed, is the uh, school loans. Governments subsidize school loans. They make laws that people can't be discriminated against based on uh, the major they choose for credit card. They can't be discriminated against to get a credit card because they're an English major instead of an engineering major. And this actually creates what's called a moral hazard. It lets you get into more debt than you can really repay. And it comes from disrupting this natural system. So you look over at Greece, and Greece is in a position where the uh, government of Greece got debt at the governmental level. And and according to one article I read, that a lot of that money went to increasing public salaries. So the private sector did not have increased wages, but they just increased public wages by like 50%, which jacked up consumption in Greece without doing anything for production in Greece. So they imported a lot of money, a lot of goods. They couldn't repay that debt as the economies all over the world crashed in 2008. And ever since then, they've been their interest rates have ultimately gone up, and they've had to borrow more money to pay the interest, to pay the debt. And I think they're in however many rounds of this bailout. And finally, like a week or so ago, the people in Greece voted in a referendum just to stop. You know, whatever whatever it is, they don't want what's called austerity, which is a cut in government spending, not to impose economic liberty, but to cut government spending on 
salaries and pensions and stuff in order to divert that government spending to these interest payments. So you can say they owe the money. It's socialism gone wild. And I understand that argument as an anarcho-capitalist. I believe in capitalism above government. But I'm not sure we're so different from Greece in our kind of moral approach to government. First of all, I'm not sure we have any more control over our government than they did. But we also have socialism. We also have a lot of deficit spending. We also have tremendous debt. The difference is that what we can do is we, instead of having to borrow more money um, from outside sources to pay off our interest, we can print money through the Fed. It's complicated, but we can print the money and stay ahead of those interest payments, even And America is unique in one more way, because not only do we have that ability, which ultimately would catch up with a normal country, because as you print more money, the interest rate is going to go up by just about the same amount. Inflation is baked into interest rates, too. But we have this unique thing because of the petrodollar and and the dollar status as the world reserve currency. There is demand for the dollar out there that we don't uh, that isn't strictly domestic. So other people want the dollar and it keeps our inflation rate below the rise in our interest rates. So we can we can exist, we can continue with this Ponzi scheme indefinitely as long as we continue to have this outside demand for the dollar. That's why you see sometimes a headline flash, you know, people are afraid of the dollar collapse. If that status changes, like the BRICS countries, Russia, China, India, if they start using non-dollars for petro deals, and they are, or like Saddam Hussein started to use the euro, or Gaddafi wanted to use the dinar, as they move, and Iran was trading in gold with India, if they move away from the dollar and those dollars the demand for dollars starts going down and those dollars rush back into the United States, our inflation rate would go through the roof. Our standard of living would plummet. So I look at the Greek situation and say, you know, we we don't have that paradigm right now. We don't have that framework here, but things can change. The British lost their world trade status after, I guess, was it uh, World War II? Did they lose it? Maybe before. After one of the big wars, they lost it, and it it really changed the power um, center from them to us as we gained it. So I would say we it it's easy to just look at the Greece, Greeks and say, well, it's socialism, and uh, eventually you run out of other people's money. But the banks create a financial, uh, like a moral hazard. Then they require these guys to pay it back against the will of their sovereign citizens. That's one thing. But we're not so far different, except that we have this outside mechanism that lets us get uh, get away with it. And and frankly, a lot of the people over there resent America for that. I think a lot of foreigners understand it a little better because it's not really covered in our press too much. And they feel like we are no longer rich and prosperous because of our great American experiment, our 19th century economic liberty, but that we now just exploit the system by this artificial support for our currency. And that's why we're getting away with it and other people aren't. So I hope that wasn't too much of uh, no mathy stuff for you. I'm going to um, take some calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Gary and Marietta. Hi, Gary. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. I, I like and I agree with what you've been saying. In 19, 
early 1970, 72, 76. I was an officer in the Air Force, and I spent some time in Athens, and the Greeks decided to have a riot, and I wound up in the right place at the wrong time or the wrong place at the right time, however you want to look at it. And uh, I saw them burning cars and trucks and buses and just generally uh, mucking up the system. That was 40-plus years ago. We are headed that direction, I'm afraid, because of the political situation that we have in the United States at the current moment. We need to change our policies, and we need to change our leadership away from a socialistic nation and go back to where our roots are. Yes, Gary, let me tell you, you're hitting exactly on something that... uh I, I was really like searching my soul, like what just makes me so mad? And it's in Europe, I can understand, I really can understand where they get their socialist mentality if you look at it this way. If you look at it that they had a feudal system, that lords got all the land, and it was never a free enterprise system to acquire the original property rights. And if you walk around in London, you can still see uh, you know, squares named after the lords who still own them like three or four hundred years later. I mean, that is a system where you just feel like you have no access to wealth and production and stuff like that. But here it was never like that. We had hard earned wealth. Government privilege did not lay out money and property to people. Uh, but ever, you know, you could say it's last 10 years, but you could also say it's last hundred years since the Fed was created that even just inflating the value of the nominal value of assets creates wealth disparity or giving government contracts or Obamacare, which forces people to give money to insurance companies. It's then unjust and then people resent it and then they want wealth redistribution. But it is not natural to the American system. No, we can. We can change it because we change our political. Uh, leadership fairly regularly. Do you and really feel the Republicans change direction from that ever? Effectively? Sure. You do? Not, not not necessarily technically, but they have changed directions. I think they slow and, it down a little and, bit when we're exhausted, but I do not think they actually change direction. Well, my opinion is I don't think we would be at $18 trillion going rapidly toward twenty. Um, you know, if we had, um, a different leadership right now, I think our debt would be significantly lower. And unfortunately, we cannot keep doing this situation that we're in now, which is printing money and spending it on every socialistic project that we can think of, every people project. And think that somewhere down the line we're not going to get caught and uh, we're not going to have to pay for it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think what's, I, I think that the idea that the Republicans are really uh, ideologically, fiscally conservative is not, it, it, I think that's what they tell us, but I think they're always voting for this stuff. I mean, I look at Bush and Medicare D and all that, and I feel like. They and I and there's actually smoking gun evidence that they believe that uh, many of their most important influential thinkers believe in what's called a conservative welfare state. 
I can talk about that if you want. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. It's partly cloudy today with a high of 94. The weekend weather on WSB is brought to you by Shoemate, the official air conditioning of summer. I am going to go straight to a call. I'm going to Robert in Cartersville. Hi, Robert. You're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. I love your show. Um, Thank you. I just wanted to say our whole credit system as a whole needs to change. We lend money when we don't have money to lend. We need to truly cut back. And I do agree with you on your statement about how Republicans might come off as, well, they're saying they're going to save, but they'd be the first ones to sign a check saying, here you go. So... Yeah, that's what it seems like to me. But I, I think that the, you know, to your point that the whole credit system has to change, I feel like the whole system, including like all this government stimulus, always want to promote the economy, always wanting to um, have people have loans, all of this just simply stimulates transactions, transactions, transactions. And that generates financial fees. It generates taxes. They'll take your taxes and they'll build roads and airports to get you to do more stuff when really a more economically efficient, you know, a better allocation of resources would be to let the price of things like air travel, including the cost of the airport, uh, be reflected in the price of your ticket. It would slow down commerce, but you wouldn't, you would just buy what you wanted. Yeah. It's like I had great health care under Bush. I make more money under Obama, but I don't see any benefits because it costs me twice as much to insure me and my family now. It makes no sense to me. Which is a, uh, it's, that's something that Republicans and Democrats both conspired on. Romney had Romney Care. The Heritage Foundation in 1989 put out the template for Obamacare. Irving Kristol wrote in his book, Socialized Medicine, a conservative welfare state would just mean they force you to buy health insurance. I mean, it is, it's still control from the top, no matter how much you think you're controlling it. And you pay for that. You pay for it out of your pocket and you pay for it out of the inefficiency of uh, a forced consumption. You know, the, the hyperinflation that comes from an industry that the government makes you participate in. Yeah. So it's not good. But I, uh, I have a question in that all that there's a lot of stuff going on in China. Their markets are going crazy. Puerto Rico is having debt problems. The Greece, Greek crisis is coming to a head. Uh, and I wonder if why isn't the economy being talked about in the media? I feel like my house is not even break even uh, for what it's worth from when I moved to Atlanta in 2008. And are we going to head to another recession without ever really getting our feet under our, uh, uh, under ourselves again? You said that you make more but don't feel richer. I, I think that's common and I'm a little worried about it. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.